you have to have it. You just have to have this. Your life will never be the same. I don't want you to pay attention to the price tag at all. Think of the benefits. How many of you have heard that sales pitch a couple of times? Well, this morning, I've got the best that you've heard. For $1,380, do you know what we can have? We can have an Easter crowd every single Sunday. Do you know how? Put a picture on the screen. <laughs> a mini donut maker. I'm telling you, you have to have one of these things. Think if we bought this. My sermons would be so much better every week. Your life would be complete. You would have everything you've ever desired when you return home. Right here, a mini donut maker. We're taking a second offering today. <laughs> we can do it right now. Might be overpromising just a little bit. It would be pretty cool to have a mini donut maker. You've probably been overpromised a lot in your life. You've probably heard the pitch over and over again. You have to have this. If you don't have this, it's not going to be good. Too many people have come to church, have heard the message of Jesus Christ, and they've heard the promise a little bit different. They've heard actually a little misnomer of the Easter promise. They've heard the Easter promise say this, there will be no pain, there will be no hardship, there will be no suffering because Jesus is risen. When you hear that as the Easter promise, it's going to lead to discouragement. It's going to lead to disbelief. And ultimately, it's going to lead to disengagement from the God who you thought the promise was coming from. The Easter promise is not, there's not going to be any more pain or suffering or hardship. No. The Easter promise is that the resurrection makes joy available today and forevermore, even in the midst of pain. The Easter promise is that the resurrection makes joy available now and for eternity, even in the midst of pain. The premise is that no pain, hardship, or suffering can impact our inheritance. Therefore, there is joy now and forevermore. Look with me, if you would, in 1 Peter chapter 1, if you have a Bible with you today. We're going to work through 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. We have to understand the premise that's being laid out as we hear the Easter promise. Verse 6, we pick it up. Verse 6 in 1 Peter chapter 1. In this you rejoice. Peter is saying, hey, 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 in what I just talked about, that's where your joy is. And what did he just talk about? He just talked about an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. In other words, he just talked about this inheritance that's perfect. Because there's nothing else, there's nothing else that doesn't fade, that rust doesn't touch, that moth doesn't come over and ultimately ruin at some point. You can buy the nicest of the nice, and the end result is still the same. At some point, it's going to rot. And the Apostle Peter declares this, hey, your inheritance, 
cannot be touched. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. But check this out. As he says that, in this you rejoice in the inheritance, though, he says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. The honest Easter message for anyone today is this. There is going to be pain. There is pain. Yet that pain can't rob us of our inheritance. Therefore, rejoice. And catch something here for a moment. Catch something for a moment back in 1 Peter verse 6. He says, though now for a little while. I don't know about you, but my mind goes to, well, how long is a little while? Is that a year of suffering? Is that five years of pain? What's a little while? I would contend with you this morning that according to the scripture, a little while is a lifetime. A little while is a lifetime. Because the Bible describes a lifetime as a mist. It's here in a moment, and then it's gone. Now some of you are like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have come here this morning. Pain for a little while, which means pain for a lifetime. Yes. That's the 100% honest truth. That for some there will be pain for a lifetime. Yet the Apostle Peter says this, that's not what you rejoice in. You're not rejoicing in the pain or the promise of no pain. You're rejoicing in your inheritance that your that pain, that trial, that hardship cannot touch. The good news this morning is that no matter what happens to you externally, what happens to you internally, it cannot touch your inheritance at all. This is something so new and different to all of us, right? Because everything in this life is dependent upon our behavior or dependent upon something within us or something we do, and that can always affect things. Think of any inheritance that you're promised. It's always affected by something, right? You can fall out of relationship with your parents. You can fall out of relationship with your grandparents. That affects your inheritance. The good news is this from the Bible. Nothing, absolutely nothing can affect our eternal inheritance because what? It was sealed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he can't put him back in the grave. He's alive. This morning, the good news is that your pain, your hardship cannot affect your inheritance. Therefore, rejoice. It's all about joy today and forevermore. The Apostle Peter says, hey, there's two reasons to rejoice today. Number one, we just talked about, verse 6, in this you rejoice. So you rejoice because of your inheritance. That's source number one. Source number two for your joy is look down in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him, Jesus. Though you do not see him, Jesus, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Why? Because you believe in Jesus Christ. The second source of our joy outside of our inheritance is the person of Jesus Christ. You've probably heard this phrase before if you've read the Bible at all. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Look at any command where it is to rejoice and look at what's connected with it. Rejoice in the Lord. 
Not rejoice in your circumstance. Not rejoice in your ability. But rejoice what? In the Lord. Jesus is the source of your joy. We've got two sources that are unending, that bring us joy today and forevermore. Source number one, our promised inheritance, the resurrection of the dead. Source number two is the person, the living Jesus Christ, who delivers that inheritance to us. I don't know about you, but I want joy. I would contend that everybody in this room wants joy. So then, how do I have it? Well, i got to stay connected to the source. I gotta stay connected to the source if I want joy. A couple of years ago, some of you will probably remember that we did a little remodeling at our house. Remember the kitchen project that only took about a week? We got all of that done, and uh, we did that ourselves. We get done with the kitchen remodeling project, and an outlet next to our table just stopped working. I was kind of like, I watched all the YouTube videos. Why is it not working? And so for about two years or so, we haven't had this outlet by the table, but now we're doing some new construction at our house. And really, I've gained a lot of wisdom in the last two years because I hired it to be done. <laughs> and so, but guess what? It's not done, and it's been more than a week. So they're coming over, and they're doing some work, and they're over there one day, and I said to the guy, I said, hey, next time when you're up in the attic, do you think you could look around? There's this one outlet that's by our table. It's not working any longer. And I, I don't know who did the electrical work, but could you take a look at it and see if you could get it working? So the next day, I come back, and they're putting some lights in our dining room. So I come back, and I say, hey, did you get a chance to look at that, that outlet? And he says, yeah, pretty simple, pretty simple. It was disconnected. <laughs> well, that would explain why it's not working. There's no power unless you're what? Connected to the source. The Easter promise is that joy is available today and forevermore. The question is, are we going to connect to the source? The first source is this. What? In this you rejoice. Verse 6, that points back to our inheritance. So we have to connect to what? Heaven. Heaven. Heaven is the promise of the Bible. We don't talk enough about heaven. We've got to connect with heaven. This last week, or about a week and a half ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to spend time with an author by the name of Gary Hogue. He's a professor from Denver Seminary, has done a lot of work at Biola, has written numerous books, and he's the chief financial teacher from the Bible that works for this organization called ECFA. It's a certification that goes to nonprofits, churches, and makes sure that they're doing their accounting correct. He does work all around the world. Was just an extremely simple man. Was the first person I've ever been around that used a phrase like it was just, he literally meant it. So he's telling us about how him and his wife handle his finances and how his parents handle their finances. And somebody that was there, there were about 12 of us with him, asked him about retirement. And, and this, this is his words, not my words. He says, hey, the Bible doesn't teach that retirement is, is a thing. You actually can't retire according to the Bible. You're created to work. And so the person obviously answered a good follow-up question and said, so are you saving for retirement? And he said, I'm not not saving for retirement at all. You should have seen the jaws hit the floor in the room at that, at that point. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. My point's not retirement today. He followed that up exactly with the next saying, not about himself, but about his parents. So his parents are now 89 and 87. His dad had worked his whole life in a, in a really physically difficult job. About 82, he couldn't really work physical labor anymore, so he had to find something simple. So he got a job doing some sweeping, as much sweeping as he could for one or two days 
a week. And then it finally came to the point where he couldn't work anymore physically, 89. So the dad called his, called his brother, him, his, Gary and his brother, and said, okay, mom and I, we, we physically can't work anymore. So the dad said to the son, said, now it's your job to care for us. And the son said, yep, that's what the Bible teaches. You care for us when we're kids, we care for you and your parents. We'll care for you now. And the dad said this, said, well, you have to care for us because everything we've done is we've stored up in heaven. Stored up. And you just said it like, just re- yeah, we stored it up in heaven. Okay, right, stored it up in heaven. How's that helping you today? Well, what? He literally believes that what? What Jesus said about storing up in the kingdom of heaven is more important than storing up today. What's my whole point in saying this? It's not to get everybody riled up about retirement. But where do our hearts go? Our hearts go where our pocketbook goes. This is true for all of us. Where I put my money, I pay attention to it. There's a direct string right here to right here. Guarantee it. His point was very simple. He gave it all the way to evangelism. Why? Because then his heart was connected with heaven. That's how he stayed connected to the source. Is because that's right where his heart was. How are you and I connecting with heaven, that which is eternal? I want to challenge you on two fronts today. If you want to stay connected to the source of your joy, which is heaven, it really comes down to two things. Number one is this. There's only one, only one that's eternal that you will interact with today. Only one. The people around you. The people around you. Your lawnmower is not eternal. Your golf clubs are not eternal. There's only one. People. People. So where are you putting your priority? Where are you putting your time? Is it with people? Or is it with personal stuff and personal hobbies? Not again that personal stuff and hobbies are bad. But the question is, what's dominating? People. You want to be connected to eternity? You got to what? You got to focus on people because people's what it's about. Secondly, if we want to be connected with eternity, I know this is unpopular. This is not recommended in seminary to talk about this on Easter. You got to give. You want to be stay connected to the source of heaven? You know what you need to do today? You need to go home today. You need to give a gift to evangelism efforts somewhere around the world that connects your heart right there focuses you on what? What Jesus is doing to get people what? To heaven. We've got to be willing to give. I don't say this. I don't say this to draw praise for our family or anything. I say this as a testimony to the faithfulness of God and to encourage you. Financial times at King of Glory have not always been that great. Right? The last three years have been fabulous. But it hasn't always been great. Remember, we've had two times where it's gotten really knit or gritty. We had to come together on a Sunday and say, this one Sunday, we're going to try and finish this building, right? Both times. Had to make a decision as a family. What are we going to do? Both times, our family said, you know what? We're all in. Empty it out right now. Empty everything we got out right now. We've done it twice. Both times. I'm here to tell you. It's not about me, but I'm here to tell you right now. Both times, what did God do? God put it right back, right back. 
And we didn't do it to get it put right back. We did it because we believed in the mission of Jesus Christ. But there's a promise from God about when you do that, what he's going to do. Are we giving of our resources so that our hearts go to that place of eternity, of Jesus Christ? Today, take a step. Release and watch the blessings. Release and watch the joy because your heart is connected to heaven. The source of our joy is heaven where our inheritance lies. The second source of our joy is the person of Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So how do I connect with Jesus? I don't need to go into all of it today. I mean, you probably know the obvious ones, right? Read the Bible, pray, come to church. Let me give you one really practical step this next week that I want to encourage you about actually staying connected to Jesus. And that's when you're with a friend this next week, I want you to ask that friend to say this. What's Jesus doing in your life right now? You use those words. What is Jesus doing in your life right now? And ask your friend then what? Ask you, what's Jesus doing in your life right now? So often we treat Jesus like this idea or this philosophy, something in a textbook somewhere. Here's the reality. Jesus is an idea. He's not a philosophy. Jesus is a living person, alive today. If he's not, you're a fool for being here. Jesus is alive. My question is this. Are you connecting with a living being? And the reason I want you to ask that question of a friend is because it brings it down into what? The tangible real life. Talking as though what? Yeah, Jesus is doing something in my life. Here's what he's doing. Connect to the source. And you connect to the source by connecting about Jesus and, and reflecting together on what Jesus is doing in our lives. So this next week, I want to encourage you. Find someone in your community group. I don't know who, your grandmother, your great uncle, whatever it takes. Find someone who knows Jesus and ask them, what's Jesus doing in your life today? And allow them to ask you in return. If we want to have joy today and forevermore, we have to connect to the source. The source of our joy is our resurrection, our future inheritance. The source of our joy is the person of Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity each week to stay connected to the source so that joy flows through our lives. Look back in 1 Peter chapter 1 for a moment at verse 8. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. Look at the end. This is awesome. Just love this. Remember, the Bible's written in Greek. And so we've got to use English to try and spell out this stuff. So sometimes you run upon phrases that are like, I don't even know if that really makes sense. But you're trying to translate a foreign language, which sometimes is difficult. Check out this little phrase in verse 8. Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Okay, I mean, when's the last time you said that? Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Here's what the English translators are trying to do. They're trying to translate this phrase in Greek that's painting this picture of joy that's just absolutely overflowing to the point of absolute magnificence where nothing else has been seen like it. That's why the verse finishes with, to its glory. Glory means magnificence or weighty, weightiness, heavy. So the Greek phrase is that there's, there's so much joy that's flowing out that it's like this major, magnificent thing that no one else has ever seen. There's so much weight to it. That's what's describing is what our lives are supposed to be like. 
Our lives are supposed to be like this fountain where there's so much joy that's just flowing out. It's inexpressible. I don't even know how to describe it anymore. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that inexpressible joy in their lives? God wants that for you. The question is, are we going to connect to the source? The source is our inheritance. The source is the person of Jesus Christ. The Easter promise is that no pain, no hardship, no suffering can affect your inheritance or the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can have joy today and forevermore. Pain and hardship are here to stay. I can guarantee that today. I've probably been in over half of your living rooms at some point. Half of your living rooms talking about pain or hardship. And as we've been in your living rooms together, we've cried together, we've prayed together, we listened together because there was pain or there was hardship. And guess what? There's going to be more times in your living rooms together. I will be in your living room at some point with your spouse, with your children, because of pain and suffering. The question is, will there be joy in that living room? This is not a scare tactic. This is pure honesty. Pain and the suffering will continue. Will you look to that which this pain and the suffering cannot rob? There's pure joy available to all of us. There's a lot of unanswered questions today. And I'm going to leave you here this morning with a little bit of mystery that some of you want some more clarity on. About a week and a half ago, you remember I told you about I lost my keys during the night, you know, etc. That night I lost my keys because I was called to go to a family's home because a 12-day-old infant had just died. And I arrived at that home to walk in the middle of a family feud about whether they should baptize a dead baby or not and whether an eternity was at stake. I walked in. I said one simple word. Jesus is the source of our eternity. Not an act of human hands. Twelve-day-old infant. Gone. Just like this. Just like that. You leave that. You leave that moment. And there's questions galore. There's questions galore. Let's be honest. One of the questions I left with is like, if God knows the child's only going to live for 12 days, why not, this sounds horrible to say, but this is my thought pattern, why not have a miscarriage? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I would contend the Bible has left an amazing mystery there. Don't know why a loving God, a just God, would allow that to happen. It's this mystery of creation, that God is supreme over all, yet creation is broken. That 12-day-old infant, gone. But the promise to that family is that 12 days turns into eternity 
through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. This next week, I'll travel two and a half hours. Travel two and a half hours to spend 10 minutes, maybe, maybe 20, maybe an hour with a 90-year-old grandmother who has dementia and depression and doesn't care if you're there or not there, sometimes gets mad that you're there or not there. A 90-year-old that has loved Jesus for her whole life. A 90-year-old that read Bible to her grandchildren. A 90-year-old that found all of her joy in what? Caring for her grandchildren and her children. And now what? Nothing. A 90-year-old that visited shut-ins every Sunday afternoon faithfully for 50 years. And now where is she? Right there. Why? It doesn't make any sense. Why would God do that to one of his saints? There's absolutely no joy in that situation right now at all. The promise of Easter is not that it's going to be taken away. The promise of Easter is not that it's going to be any easier. The promise of Easter is that that sickness and that disease cannot rob her inheritance. The promise of Easter is that that sickness, that hardship that will come to your household in the next year or whenever cannot rob you of your joy because it cannot rob you of your inheritance. Today, where are you going to look? Are you going to focus on the mystery of pain and suffering? Or are you going to look to the one who has conquered all pain and suffering for eternity, Jesus Christ, who has come from the grave? Today, hear this message. Pain and suffering will come, but that pain and suffering cannot touch your inheritance or Jesus Christ. Therefore, rejoice. 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 Today, you're invited to know Jesus Christ. And we'll close with this thought done a lot of funerals. I've done a lot of funerals, and many of you have been to a lot of funerals. Here's what's amazing, and I can say this with 100% confidence. I've done funerals of people who don't know Jesus Christ at all. Do you know who that funeral is all about? It's all about that person. It's all about that person. And guess what's weird about that deal? A funeral that's all about that person doesn't bring any hope, because where's that person? right here in a box. What's amazing is when you have the opportunity to do a funeral for a person who was connected to the source. Because then where's the focus of the funeral? On the praise and the glory of the source that they were connected to. And that place is overflowing with hope and joy even in the midst of loss. Maybe you've never thought about this before. So what's your funeral going to be? Will I lie or will I have an opportunity to lead an hour of worship, of praise and glory to the one you're connected to? God is inviting you today into a relationship because he has conquered death. And so I invite you today to get connected to the source, Jesus Christ, which connects you to your eternal source, the resurrection for eternity. And so today... As you return to your family gatherings, know this. 
pain and suffering will come. Yet that pain and suffering cannot touch your inheritance, Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, 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 rejoice. rejoice, for Christ is risen. Let us pray. Gracious and everlasting God, we come before you today with magnificent hearts filled with awe and marvel that you have conquered death. God, we pray now that you'd fill us with this joy through Jesus and the resurrection. God, I want to lift up and pray specifically now for anyone that's in the middle of this little time, this little while of pain and suffering. God, would you connect them to their inheritance? God, would you connect them to the person of Jesus Christ? And God, I pray now this next week that you would keep each of us connected to the source, the resurrection, and the person of Jesus. So God, I pray that you give each of us a desire to give freely. And you give each of us people that would walk alongside of us and keep us connected to Jesus. God, we praise you today. We thank you. We declare that our hope is not in ourselves, but our hope is in the risen Christ. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.